Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 as we continue in our sermon series in the Sermon on the Mount, Kingdom Living. And as we begin this series of the Sermon on the Mount, we are honing in, focusing on the Beatitudes one by one. And so we come to our fifth Beatitude in verse 7 will be our focus of study this morning. But I will read verses 1 through 10. This is God's holy and authoritative word to us this morning. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our Savior, Jesus, who took the time to instruct us, to teach us how we should live, how we live in your kingdom. So, Father, as we look at mercy and blessed are the merciful, would you teach us, would you instruct us in the way that we should go? And we pray this by the power of the Holy Spirit who works in our hearts and lives. Would you do that now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. So why did you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy upon you? Those were the words spoken by a king who was furious. Because his servant, who owed him an enormous debt that he could never repay, was forgiven because he pleaded his case before the king. But then the servant went out and found a fellow servant who owed him money. And instead of showing his fellow servant mercy, he was cruel and ruthless. He was the extreme opposite of mercy. So goes the story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the unmerciful servant. And I want to read that to you now as we look at blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. In Matthew 18 verses 23 through 35, Jesus told this parable, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Some scholars estimate that being about 20 years of very well-paid wages. When he began to, to settle the talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. 
So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him. And he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This story told by our Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 is an extreme example of Jesus' teaching on this beatitude before us. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Simply put, we have been shown great mercy by our Heavenly Father. And in turn, we should show mercy toward others. That is what Jesus is teaching here. So in these beatitudes, these beatitudes are the attitudes, they're the attributes that we are to be in Christian living, to, in kingdom living. And one of those attributes, one of those attitudes, Jesus says, is to be merciful. Jesus is teaching that Christians who are living in the kingdom of God are merciful people because they have been shown great mercy by the King, by their Heavenly Father. So merciful Showing mercy. This is a characteristic. This is an attitude that we're to strive for in kingdom living. And as we've said week after week, kingdom living is what Jesus is talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount. The Christians are to be altogether different from the world. That kingdom living is different from worldly living. A Christian is a, is a kingdom-minded child of the king. A Christian is merciful. And so Jesus took the time here to to teach his disciples, to show them one of those things that they are to be, and that is merciful. John Stott says this regarding this beatitude. There's no need for Jesus to elaborate. Our God is a merciful God and shows mercy continuously. The citizens of his kingdom must show mercy too. That is what Jesus is teaching here. So these eight Beatitudes that we're looking at, these characteristics taught by Jesus, they describe the totality of what Christian living, kingdom living is to be like. They're they're all connected. This past week I had the joy and privilege, as I'm sure many of you have, of getting new TV service in my home. If that's not a sanctification process, I don't know what is. But I had some interesting conversations with the TV man for the six hours that he was at my home. (laughs) 
Everybody here knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so he, needless to say, he got witnessing to it. You know, after six hours, at some point, I would work up the courage. But he told me, he said, you know, I do a lot of TV watching in my profession. <laughs> you know, he said, all those blue screens and all those instructions I watch all day long. I don't get to watch any movies or football. But he was telling me about a call he'd been on earlier that day to help a, a poor man in his home. Because the, the poor man called into the TV service and said, I, my picture is not working right. I need somebody to come out and fix it. And so he was called upon the scene to this home. And he came and he looked at the man's TV and said, sir, uh, it's not your TV service provider. It's your TV. It's, it's zoomed way in too far. This man was half blind. And so all he could see on his big flat screen was like eyeballs of, of faces <laughs> so he couldn't see the whole picture. And so in short order, the repairman fixed his TV and went on his merry way. But I got to thinking about that as we were looking at these eight Beatitudes. Because it would be easy for us to just focus in on one of them, right? And just say, that's the most important thing. We've got to stick to this one and this one only. But what Jesus wants us to do is zoom back out and see the full picture because all of the Sermon on the Mount describes kingdom living. All of the Beatitudes go together and teach us what kingdom living is about. And so what is the connection here, merciful to the others? The one who is poor in spirit, realizing that they possess no resources to save themselves. The one who grieves and mourns over their sin, seeing that it offends an all-holy God. The one who is meek, who realizes all these things and realizes they need the Savior and who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Should it not follow as we look at and see our desperate condition when we have seen that in Christ we have been made right before God because we are not right with Him apart from Christ? Shouldn't we see, shouldn't it follow that the way that we treat others should be radically different because of the gospel we are changed and because we are changed we long to love and to show mercy toward others because we have been shown mercy we often downplay the importance of mercy in the christian life it is almost treated as, as an optional extra that we could add on to kingdom living but in scripture and in our, our Lord Jesus himself, in his own words, he states that this is absolutely necessary for Christian living, that we be merciful. And if we ignore being merciful, it is detrimental to our spiritual health. So as we look at this beatitude in verse 7, blessed are the merciful, let's look at what is mercy, how do we show mercy, and how do we receive mercy? First, what is mercy? Let's talk about what mercy is not. It doesn't mean to be easygoing. It, 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 mean, it, it does not mean to just see things in distorted reality. It's not just let it be. Don't worry about it. That's not the attitude that the Lord is talking about here that we are to have. It is not an attitude of don't worry, be happy. 
being merciful also does not mean that we're not unmoved by sin. Sin does bother us. It does bother us to see God's commands broken and ignored. And being merciful doesn't mean that we can just ignore sin. It doesn't mean to be soft. It doesn't mean to be hard either. But it doesn't mean that we just ignore the effects of sin in all of life. Merciful is not the extreme opposite, right? We told the parable of the unmerciful servant who was ruthless and cruel. Certainly these are the extreme opposite of what it means to be merciful. Being merciful is not all these things. So what is mercy? I think the best way for us to understand mercy and to understand being merciful, we must couple it with grace. We must couple mercy with grace. The Apostle Paul combines these great descriptions of God's love and many of his pastoral greetings. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, he greets Timothy and the believers in Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Martin Lloyd-Jones suggests a way to define mercy, and that is to put it together with grace. He says, grace is especially associated with men in their sins. Mercy is especially associated with men in their misery. In other words, while grace looks down upon sin as a whole, mercy especially looks up upon the miserable looks down upon the miserable consequences of our sin. We've been saved by grace, but God shows us his mercy by relieving our helpless, miserable condition. Gracious mercy. We have been saved by grace. And we have been shown mercy in our sin and misery. So if we were to simply define mercy, mercy is kindness. It is forgiveness. It is compassion. A great phrase from the Old Testament that describes mercy quite well is God's loving kindness. His hesed is the Hebrew word. God's loving kindness is Forgiveness is compassion. So how do we show mercy? We first and foremost understand that in Christ we have been forgiven. And we have been shown mercy. Praise God that he does not leave us in our state of sin and misery. And through the power of the gospel we have been showered with God's love. We have been showered with God's grace. And we have been showered with God's Mercy. And therefore, John Stott says, nothing moves us forward like the knowledge that we ourselves have been forgiven. Nothing. Nothing should move us forward to show mercy and compassion and kindness like the knowledge that we have been forgiven. We have been shown mercy. Kingdom living is realizing that because we have been shown mercy, that we long to show mercy to the poor and to the needy. And we are enabled to do this by the Spirit's power working within us. 
Being merciful, as Jesus describes here, is to be one of the bedrocks of a true relationship with Jesus Christ. A Christian is merciful. To be merciful is to have compassion toward others. Compassion toward the poor and the needy. Compassion toward those who need our forgiveness. Kindness toward those who rarely receive kindness. Those who are the outcasts. Those who are the, who are the unpopular. You know, those whom Jesus hung out with. He hung out. He was friends. He associated himself with people who needed great compassion and mercy. Being merciful, responding to people's need, having compassion upon those whom we might not naturally have compassion on is what we're called to do. And quite frankly, this calling is very costly business. If you truly take this to heart, if you see your calling as a Christian to have compassion upon the compassionless, upon those whom do not often receive that compassion and kindness, it's going to come at great cost to you. It might cost you your reputation. It might cost you your status, your standing with friends and with your colleagues. It might even cost you money to show compassion, to show mercy. But no matter what the cost is, it always behooves Christians to respond to the needs of a fallen world with love, with compassion, with mercy. Because that is what our Lord taught us to do. That is what he did for us. We can do this in very tangible ways. We can reach out to the poor in our city and have mercy, have compassion upon them. They're, they're right there under Memorial Parkway Bridge. You can find them very easily in other places in this town. Perhaps you could show mercy and compassion by coming alongside a family that you know that is struggling in some major way. I'm talking one of those families that just even seems toxic to you. Like, I'm not sure I want to get around that right now. Perhaps it was because of a divorce or some other hard situation. But, or perhaps it's because of a death in the family and the family is struggling. Perhaps it's the loss of a job and, again, the family is struggling. We are called to have compassion and mercy. For you students, for you children, listen up, kids. You can tangibly show compassion. You can tangibly show kindness and love and, and mercy toward reaching out to that kid that doesn't have any friends, that no one will talk to, that people pick on. Those are the kids that Jesus went to. Those are the kids that Jesus calls us to love. Being merciful, it does involve an element of pity. As Christians, we're to take pity, we're to have compassion upon others. 
But it doesn't stop there. We don't just say poor, it, poor person, woe is that person, that, that poor soul. We don't just stop there. We actually do something very tangible. We take a practical step forward to actually help someone and relieve someone of their miserable, poor condition. Perhaps the best illustration of this is the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. And for time's sake, we won't turn there. But think about this. You know the story. The man who was beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, and the preacher and the lawyer and all the good, respectable people in town passed over him. But that worthless Samaritan, he stopped. And he took pity on that man in the ditch. And not only did, did he come up to him and say, Man, I, I am so sorry. You know, there is a shelter down the road. No, he got that man up out of the ditch. He cleaned the blood and the dirt off that man. He bandaged that man. He put that man up in a hotel for the night and made sure all his needs were taken care of. He helped him in very tangible ways. This is the type of kingdom living that Jesus is calling us to show here. Selfless mercy. Thinking of ourselves less and showing mercy and love and compassion to others. And we do this because we desire to be Christ-like. We desire to respond to the mercy of God in our lives. And that's the last thing we'll look at. Why do we need mercy? We need mercy because we have been shown mercy. What makes us merciful is the grace of God in our lives. One scholar says, at great cost to himself, God showed mercy to us, and so we must show mercy to others. This beatitude is not teaching. At first reading, we could read it and say that, oh, I, I see what that means. If I don't have mercy or if I don't forgive others, then, then I'm doomed. I'm, I'm going to hell. I'm not going to receive mercy or forgiveness. That's not what the beatitude is teaching. Remember, we can't zoom in. <laughs> we have to zoom out and look at the whole testimony of the gospel because Jesus is not teaching works righteousness here. The whole gospel says that we are saved by grace, not by works. Jesus is not saying our forgiveness and our experience of his mercy is only based on our works and our ability to do it with others because, let's be honest, we've passed over that man in the ditch often. We have ignored that kid at school who's been picked on. Because if we were judged strictly by these terms, we would never be forgiven. We would only be condemned. But praise God, there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we were judged only by this standard, then the whole gospel of grace would be nullified. We would no longer say that we're saved by grace through faith in, in Christ. So we cannot reach the conclusion that our forgiveness is based solely upon our ability to forgive and show mercy to others. That's not what Jesus is teaching. And he illustrated this further by the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, as we already read. We are called to forgive. We are called to show mercy. Because we have been forgiven 
We have been shown mercy by the Father of mercies. What Jesus means here is that when we see the great mercy of God showered down upon us by His grace, we should want to be repentant. We should want to turn from sin. We should want to realize that because we've been forgiven, because God has been merciful to us, we long to forgive others. I'm always convicted by Ephesians 4, verse 32, continued into chapter 5, where the apostle says, he instructs the church, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving just each other. Why should you do this? Why should you be kind and compassionate upon that spouse who is beating you up night after night? Why should you be kind and compassionate to that coworker who is, whose goal in life is to make you miserable? The apostle says, because God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as his beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We have been forgiven much. We have been forgiven of spiritual adultery. We have been forgiven of disobeying our parents. We have been forgiven of murdering in our hearts and in our minds and maybe even physically. We have been forgiven of everything by Jesus' death on the cross. So how can we not show compassion and love and grace and mercy? Ian Duguid says, Our hearts are only moved to mercy to the extent that we remember and ponder the depths and the riches of God's mercy. The only way we'll be able to show this kindness and this compassion and this love and this mercy is as we meditate, as we ponder, as we mine the treasures of God's Love and grace and mercy to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. What makes us merciful is the grace of God. Gracious mercy. Gracious mercy. The truth is, the truth is, you and I, all of us, we deserve to be punished for our sins. If we were God and we were going to act righteously and justly, Let's just wipe out planet Earth, all the human race, and let's just start over, right? That would be just. That would be righteous. Because that's how terrible it is. That's how hard and awful sin is. God would be perfectly just to do do this. But he didn't. Instead, he sent his one and only son... His most precious possession. God himself became a man. And he suffered. And he lived life in this fallen world. He became a servant. He showed mercy. He had pity upon us. And when God, why did God do this? Why did he do this? To show out. To show that he is a God of grace. And love. And mercy. And he delights 
to show us his mercy. And in light of this, you must ask yourself this morning, am I merciful? And if not, reflect upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his work on the cross on your behalf and ask the Spirit to work in you a spirit of mercy. And let us praise God for his love, for his grace, for his mercy. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we have seen this morning very clearly from your word, from baptism, from the songs that we have sung to you, that you are a God of love, you are a God of grace, you are the Father of mercies, you delight in showing your tender mercy toward us. And so, Father, we ask, we plead with you to have mercy upon us. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, work in us and help us to show mercy and kindness, compassion, and love toward others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.